And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Sparks. He's a fellow for educational policy with the Center for Vision and Values. Dr. Sparks, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, Dan. Before we opened the mic, we were talking a little bit about uh, children and grandchildren, and some of us have chosen to homeschool, and now you're involved with homeschooling as a grandparent, helping on that front. And uh, I didn't mention that we're also grandparents now, and uh, yet it's um, the children, uh, the infant, they're still infants, so they're not ready for homeschooling yet with the grandchildren. But um, education is so very important. We need education uh, regarding how to think about life. And uh, you recently wrote an op-ed about, basically, the idea was the irony of uh, folks being, quote, pro-women and yet pushing for abortion. I'm wondering if you can help us peel the layers of that onion a little bit today, Dr. Sparks. How do we think about that? Well, uh, one of the things that we... uh that I that really bothered me as this campaign was going on was that uh, Hillary Clinton was campaigning as a quote champion of women and girls, and um, and by this she meant that in her literature that she puts out that uh, she supported quote women's pr- reproductive health, which is a euphemism for usually for abortion, and then. She also confronts violence against women. Of course, um, the, this, this has been one of her primary talking points in the various debates, um, including the most recent that she's worked years and years for women and children or women and girls. And I think the irony is that at the same time that she's saying this, that she's a champion of these girls and women, she is a an ardent and uh, unrelenting advocate of abortion, and uh, she's even actually she's gotten more strident in uh, her stance here. Years ago, when she was running for office uh, for the U.S. Senate, she talked about safe, legal, and rare, and the rare has actually gone out of that trio, and now she's advancing. She's in favor of advancing abortion and even having public funding for abortions. And I think the the irony is that while she says she's a champion of girls, um, out of the 58 million abortions plus that have occurred since the decision in Roe versus Wade in 1973, if roughly half of those are girls, and there's no reason to believe that the live birth statistics are any different from the abortion statistics. So roughly half of those children that have lost their lives to abortion are girls. That means that there are 29 million girls plus who have lost their lives to abortion since 1973. And I think it's you certainly are hard-pressed than to claim that you're the, you're the general defender, the broad defender of girls and women, when the policies that you have advocated uh, snuff out their lives 
and destroy them and their potential and their futures um, in the womb. Yeah, that's a very important point. Um, I heard one of the debates um, just recently, and it was between Hillary and Trump, and I I thought um, there was a real opportunity, probably that was not taken by Mr. Trump, to address the philosophical problem of um, comparing between a baby's rights and a mother's rights. And the fact is, they're unequal in this case. Um, What's at stake with a mother's rights, it seems, is her lifestyle and all of this. But what's at stake with the baby is, of course, the baby's life itself. And so it's kind of an unequal comparison, it seems to me. Yes, that's. I, I think that that historically, uh, in Western civilization, we have valued life and put it above all other considerations. And only in the rarest of cases, when there was a uh, a mother's life at stake, sure, would uh, would uh, abortion be a consideration? But instead. What we have, if you imagine a scale, we have the baby's life and all their potential on one side, and then in many cases we have uh, the careers of the mothers that they don't want to interrupt them. We have irresponsible fathers that won't take you know care of the child and puts that single mother in a difficult position, and we have sometimes just mere inconvenience. Mm. We don't want any more children. And um, that those things do not and should not be weighed as heavily as the taking of a human life. When we start to do that, then we are headed for uh, an end to the commitment that uh, Christian Western civilization has had to life. Yeah, yeah. It is frustrating um, as a Christian man, I listen to the different arguments back and forth. It seems that those who hold to more of a, I want to say, a cultural Marxism approach seem to have a greater control of what we hear. Um, they, they own more radio stations and TV stations and networks, and the higher-ups are of that perspective. And so... It's very frustrating for a Christian who wants to obey God to even enter into discussion in in the public sphere. Uh, have you sensed that from your perspective? Yes, um, the various um, some women's groups, and of course not all women, but some women's groups have uh, basically made this issue a, a litmus test for. Uh, one's entire political position. And so, consequently, even a discussion about this is difficult to to hold. Um, And I do, I must say that I fault Mr. Trump and other Republicans who have not raised these questions that that I'm raising in the op-ed. He has many opportunities in the most recent debate he could have, I I think he did talk about partial birth abortion Mm -hmm. and how awful it was and put uh, Mrs. Clinton on the spot, but why not refer to the millions of girls that cannot have a life 
in which they, you know, they, they have no infancy, they have no girlhood, they have no youth. These millions that have been the object of the abortionist knife or suction, they will never learn to read or write. They can't wear a frilly dress. They can't kick a winning soccer goal. They can't attend a prom. They can never graduate from high school or marry themselves or give birth to children. I mean, these things have been irrevocably denied them for reasons that we talked about earlier don't rise to the level of taking life. And besides their loss and their family's loss, American society loses many women who could be teachers and nurses and civic volunteers and scientists and astronauts and sports heroes and mothers and grandmothers and church members, and they they cannot, these children then whose lives have been taken, cannot become our U.S. senators or secretaries of state or even mm-hmm. our presidents. Yeah, that, so true. That's foreclosed for them, and uh, that's that's a that's a loss to the larger society that these millions of girls who could become women who are leaders and and helpers and they have lost that opportunity. <clears throat> and American society has has been made poorer, eminently poorer for it. Yes. I keep um, thinking of the frustration of the narrative being controlled by folks that that hold to this, and um, I'm not sure that we're trained very good as as Christians who hold to the Scriptures in uh, defending life, but you're doing a very good job of it. Um, Well, we're we're trying. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, Dan, when you also think sometimes the argument is made, has been made by Mrs. Clinton and, and others, that many of these uh, kids that are aborted, these, and we're focusing on the girls, but of course I'm, I'm ignoring the fellows now because she doesn't claim any that she's champion of the boys, but uh, the girls, uh, sometimes the claim is made, well, these are, many of these are very poor mothers, and um, and they, they don't have uh, the futures that you're imagining they would have. But think for a minute of just two people I was considering here recently. One was Althea Gibson, who was the great tennis player, one Wimbledon, a black woman, and her parents were sharecroppers. And had they taken this view that, well, poverty, you know, dictates that uh, we can't have Althea, then we would have lost one of the bright stars in the sports world, a, a very decent woman and with many uh, capabilities. Or take Oprah Winfrey. She came out of poverty, too. And whether you agree with Oprah and all her positions, there's no doubt that she has risen out of poverty. Now, what if, uh, what if her parents had said, well, we're too poor and therefore we can't have this child. And, and that's the very point, that it's, it's, it's unfair and it's uh, cynical to say that the children who are aborted have lives that would not matter had they lived. Mm. 
And uh, that's why I think Alveda uh, King, Martin Luther's niece, mm-hmm. um, has been so opposed to abortion. She sees it as almost a black genocide because such a large portion compared to the black community of women are are getting abortions and yes. and and destroying the futures and opportunities of those girls and boys who could be real contributors to the black community. Mm. Oh yeah. I wish we could um more effectively educate young people. However, it's largely given over to government education with um a pro-death perspective, unfortunately. One of the feelings you kind of get with um, those who push for abortion is that um, the mother and child, I don't even know if they called a child then, but they're kind of um, pitted against each other. They become almost like enemies, and the mother is like a, just a life support system, and the child is more like a parasite or a leech uh, taking advantage of the mother and the normal emotions of love, compassion, care um, are not mentioned in the modern progressive narrative. And I, I keep going back to the narrative because it's so frustrating to see what's happening, how that the truth is not shared. Uh, one of the things that's really helpful to a, to a mother-to-be is to actually see a sonogram of her baby and often this is not available to those who are seeking abortions. Yes, I think that that's so important because to see that sonogram and to see that uh, youngster moving around and taking shape and having the mm. characteristics of that that person that will be born uh, months later, I, I I think that 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 the sonograms in uh, various uh, advisory groups that, that that try to counsel mothers away from abortion, that the sonogram has been probably the single most technically effective device to convey to the mother mm. to be that that this is a living child, uh, and you you are not simply. Uh, this is not a this is not a matter of a, the medical removal of a tissue. This is this is a living child, and yeah. um, and I, I think that's had a considerable effect um, in the states that have moved to you know require this and so forth. I think are doing going in the right direction, even though they're they're running into objections from the courts. And you're so right. We have to dramatize this the fact that uh, this child is a is a uh, th- that this is a child and uh, and I always use the word child I don't use fetus I don't use tissue I I think that language is important here to tell the truth about the set, set of circumstances that a pregnancy is mm, yeah I've been reading through the book of Exodus very slowly, and uh, I recently came across a portion in Exodus 21, um, and I'm just looking at this from a principle point of view, 
um, huh? where where it said, um, if men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according to the woman's husband, what he imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm falls, then you shall give life for life. And I know there's arguments back and forth regarding whether this applies or not today, all that, but in principle, I think the principle is very strong, and that is that God sees this this as a life to be protected uh, in the womb of the mother, and, and so much so that back in those days, the word was, you shall give life for life. In other words, if it's yeah. an intentional killing, uh, it, it really is the level of, of murder. Yes, and I, I think that... Um that exit, I know that Exodus passage, and and <clears throat> even there, you could argue that that um, the seriousness of the situation uh, is is made even clearer by the fact that uh, these men may have been contending against each other or fighting or whatever produced this this harm. Uh, you know, they might have been negligent. They might not even have been intending right. um, <clears throat> criminal action, and yet the the passage regards this child's life as so important that it, it raises it to the the level of criminality. Yeah. And, uh, so it's uh, I think it's a it's the it's a very strong case can be made that that the principle there. Uh, is is uh, should be uh, mirrored in our law, and in fact, you know, Diana, that if there are auto accidents and somebody has been driving drunk or or carelessly, grossly gross gross negligence, and uh, a mother is killed and a baby is killed, there may be lawsuits raising questions about both of them. Oh yes, um, even though the child was unborn, you know. So I just. I think the court went wrong with Roe versus Wade when it didn't simply say uh, we protect life and this is a life being sure. and the state's abortion laws should that that recognize this should be upheld and not viewed as uh, an intrusion into privacy. Yes. I want to ask you about the whole area of uh, population and there's a concern among some again, among the progressive wing, that the world is overpopulated. Yet I was just reading an article, I think, this morning about Japan, how that they have a crisis on their hands, that they're not um, having enough babies to protect their culture. And and there's a a real crisis in there. Apparently they have these little robot things you can get that simulates a baby, and, and, and it's like having a baby, and it's to encourage the people to have more babies. It's kind of funny to see how this thing has gone full circle. And and China, even, with their previous one-child policy, that's laying the seeds for a disaster, essentially, because we need to have babies <laughs> in order to keep, keep society going. I mean, you need people. And uh, I've learned over time that um, the greatest resource we have um, is actually the people, and if you have people, they can uh, thrive and invent new things and 
new opportunities and jobs and inventions and things that benefit us so very much. And uh, the efficiencies go through the roof as people do these things. And so uh, the greatest thing that we have, it's uh, we love our water and earth and, you know, clear air and all that, but the greatest is actually the people. Yes, that's so true that, that uh, human <laughs> beings are, if you want to refer to them this way, they are a, a, um, a resource that, uh, that produce and think and devise uh, ways. There, it's, a, it's like a, I think it's uh, the cultural mandate in the scriptures in Genesis. Yes. Uh, dictates that we are to um, multiply and subdue the earth, and and that takes people with ingenuity and thought and energy. And um, the idea, the population bomb idea of years ago, I think has been uh, proven to be utterly wrong. The population grows and as as if we have societies in which those people can actually use their God-given energies to deal with the uh, world that they come into and subdue it with inventive, uh, with inventions and with uh, devices and efforts, then uh, there is no reason, in fact, there's good reason why population should be increasing not 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 running around fearing no. that there will be overpopulation and as you say in Japan also uh, some European countries are experiencing this now this decline in birth rate and uh, they they uh, will be that they will be in the long run doing themselves in when they do not encourage life and and reproduction and um, ingenuity produced by the birth of new children and their education. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other day I was in church, and I, I unfortunately we got in a little bit late, so we sat towards the back, and um, there was a large family in, in front of us in the pew, and uh, it was such a blessing for us to sit there, my wife and me, and observe these these young children. There were six children in this family, a Christian family, who loved God and was striving to raise their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. What a blessing it was to observe them. Um, Well, today we've been talking about the irony of being quote-unquote pro-woman and yet pushing for abortion. And our guest is Dr. John Sparks. He's a fellow for educational policy with the Center for Vision and Values. And Dr. Sparks in the minute or two remaining, any advice for Christian parents as we move forward, perhaps frustrated, but trying to make a difference in this world, in, in the place in which God is, has put us? Well, I think uh, from the very beginning, and with, with, with our instruction with our children and grandchildren and children in our churches uh, and in Christian schools and wherever we have influence, we ought to be emphasizing that a society and the people in that society uh, are should be judged by the way they treat the most vulnerable of their citizens. 
and uh, the and we should be telling our children these uh, when uh, when a mother is pregnant that child is being carried in the womb and that baby is defenseless and therefore we provide for it nurture and care and uh, because they cannot cry out for help and it's important for us we should say to our children to realize that those children must be protected and along with others that are vulnerable in the society and if the society starts to turn away from that view it becomes uh, crass and barbaric and uncivilized and we're teaching you about this so that you can continue uh, the great tradition of Western Christian civilization that the life that God gives should not be taken uh, the innocent life should not be taken and uh, we want you to understand this as you uh, touch your mother there where she has a child coming uh, it, unless those children are protected we become a society that is uh, a deeper and, and closer and closer to an uncivilized and barbaric nation mm. well put Today we've been talking with Dr. John Sparks. To read more uh, about the Center for Vision and Values, just go to their website. It's visionandvalues.org. And um, just look for Dr. John Sparks. There's a really great article he's written about the cruel irony of this, quote, pro-woman stance. And Dr. Sparks, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dan. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. His love never fails. His name will always prevail. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in the wealth of things. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. A name worth more than anything. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Trust in the name of the Lord our God. We trust in the name of the Lord.